Hey, 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 we are back. We're back. We're back. What do you got for me? I'm just trying to get my volume right. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, people watching on YouTube, look at all the wood in here. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck a wood? A woodchuck could chuck, woodchuck could. I can't, hey. something like that. Uh, we have temporary art in here right now. I'm I, temporarily getting high from the lacquer on the wood. Dude. I mean. I'm getting light. <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> if we get a little loopy 45 minutes in, we're it's because we got this. We're getting but this loopy is looking today. good. Uh, check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen it on the Bleacher Report channel. Vacations are in the books. Oh, hello. And you know what that means. Right. Our focus is squarely set on the Back football season. Football. Uh, Yellowstone was cool. Yellow, the Yellowstoners had a good time at Yellowstone. Nice. That was Phil our group Sims. text. Met. Yep, Phil Sims is there. Cool. It was great. It was great. I mean, it was cool just to do a different uh, type of trip than just going to the beach and the ocean. And you got super close to a bear. Bears, cubs, bison. When you got close eagles. to the bear, did you realize it could totally beat a lion? Well, there's a black bear, and I felt like I could kick the shit out of that bear. So, no. <laughs> but it was protecting its cubs. Yes. yes, yes. But they basically, so like, you're telling me that you sized up the bear. You're at Yellowstone. Everyone's like, oh, there's a bear. And, mom, you went, and you went, you went I can yeah, take it. My mom was getting you're nervous nuts. that my kids were getting a little close. And the bear was 100 pounds, roughly, is what our tour guide. Black bear is like, they're not huge, right? Grizzlies is the big Right, Grizzlies is okay. the big The 100-pound 100, 100 black bear is basically what he said. But he's like, you got to remember, if it's a 100-pound black bear, because their muscle mass is different, it's basically going to be like a 200-pound person. Oh, wow. So I was watching this mama cub. She was real cute. But my mom started getting like paranoid. And I was like, well, if this thing makes a dash across the street and goes after my kids, I'm going to run and lower my shoulder. I'm going to see what happens. So you're, <laughs> inst- you're not enjoying nature. You're I'm getting enjoying ready. nature and doing other things right wow yes i was worried about stuff like that i was also worried like when you got too close to the bison i was like damn that thing wants to get up and topple our truck (laughs) we better run in there in a hurry man uh yeah anguilla was good man you saw my face when i came in i mean thank god i have a makeup person yeah hello sunscreen i look when you get into a pool and you forget and you're like let's just i'm gonna hang with my girl and we're gonna drink a yeah, you're in the pool too much too yes. pool too much when you have the caribbean right next to you i just saw no, a few i did pictures. a pool then i did the ocean too much pool too much man, pool it's amazing i wouldn't even go in the pool on a trip like you're that. nuts i would be like fuck that pool i can find a pool anywhere I will never. I really will go out of my way not to spend two seconds by a pool. The true thing is, is when you live in New York, yeah. any body of water. Like if I'm walking down Eighth Avenue and there's a puddle, I'm like, well, I could, <laughs> I could do a little lap. I could do a little lap. Uh, the fans missed us too. Uh, a lot of people reached out. Here's a good one. This is from uh, Paco Fleetis saying, I got to be 100% honest with you guys. Having just one podcast this week was the worst thing imaginable. I'm sorry. How am I supposed to get through the week without my two favorite football guys? Pump for tomorrow, though. Forecast for the weather is a sunny day with a big chance of, whoa, whoa. big off season. What is up? And that was big love from Mexico. It Thank did feel you. weird, like being out of the, not having to do anything. Like I, I genuinely, I genuinely went away. 
Yeah. And I, I, I still texted Fendrick a bunch, but I wasn't checking like a bunch of the news stuff. So I came back Sunday night and I had like 12 pages of stuff that we had missed. Yep. Uh, one thing that Anguilla, everybody likes to debate LeBron. I Holy to, crap. You told me that. I don't even like get that. They're like, are you LeBron fan? And I was like, yes. They're like, no, nah, I'm not. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this man comes to your island like LeBron. I just don't understand it. doesn't make any sense. I don't. I mean, I, I don't I'm like... Totally don't understand it. I, I'm at the point with LeBron where I'm like, I understand if he's not your favorite, but what's not to like? Yes. I, it's a, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, I do know one thing, though. The Sims and Lefko Football League is Taking officially off. kicking off. I'm Roger Goodell. Sh- shout out to Meatloaf putting the whole thing together. So we, came- we have to drug test all these people <laughs> for our league. We have to have drug our- testing. <laughs> <laughs> they, if you don't have at least 100 grams of THC in your <laughs> urine, then you can't be in the league. The league. <laughs> so we came on two weeks ago and said there's five leagues. Holy crap. We're up to five. Guys, it ended up 28 leagues Holy cow. of 14 people each. That's 392 players will be joining the SLFL. Uh, we are now in conferences. Uh, the Meatloaf has put together all of the rules. Uh, shouts to you for doing this. It's incredible. Way to go, Meatloaf. Uh, but, dude, there, so it's going to go through 12 weeks. Then we're going to have a tournament. And then in the final week, all of the conference winners will have the, the highest score wins. Uh, I was just telling Josh, we're going to send prize packs, I think, to all of the people that win their conference. So if you win one of your 28 conferences, we're going to send you some gear because I think we should. It's the NFL. Yeah, we're going to take a look at all these leagues. I think throughout the year we should keep tabs and I'll tell people it's how not, stupid or smart they are. It's not even just going to be us. There is also going to be someone, uh, A.H. Scherer, who is going to be releasing a video weekly updating all of the leagues. Great. So we have our own fantasy reporter, Scherer. Uh, but some of the names for the leagues, uh, we have the Big Fucker Conference. We have the Saquads Conference. We have the Mother Hen Conference, the Legs and Ass Conference. And I believe that we are a part, you, me, and Fendrick are splitting a team in the Golden Spleen Conference. Ah, the Golden Spleen. Ting. Uh, Yeah, and I saw some of the names. Someone stole your weed strain name. Spleen Buster OG. Oh, is that right? So that's someone's team name. So uh, we have to figure out our team name. I go by Sativa, sorry. Sativa Sims. Uh, I also kind of went viral. Uh, during this off time. You did go kind of viral. I got tweeted at by Schefter. Uh, The NFL PA, Jalen Ramsey, was liking my tweets. Right. I just... I got really tired of all these stories that were, this is the nightmare offseason for the NFL. Oh, Jameis. Oh, LaShawn McCoy. And I was like... I have been putting together whoa big off seasons for this entire off season. I know all of the good things people have been doing and we're only focusing on like the two or three negative things. Of course. So I just created the hashtag NFL good guys, put together a stream of 20 and it was all over the place. And it was, it was cool because that's what we do. In my opinion, the Sims left go podcast. We are the players podcast. We yep. do care about showing both sides of these guys. And now I'm getting tweeted all the time by like NFL players doing good stuff. Like I, I saw uh, Leno, the offensive lineman for the Bears, stopped and yeah. filled up like the gas tank somewhere. And Travis Kelsey took kids out to go shopping. And right. then you, it's just so many. There's 3,000 guys in this league. That doesn't even include coaches and all that stuff. We can focus on the negatives 
But there's an amazing amount of guys out there doing great shit. There's not 3,000, is there? Uh, I think it's like 1,500. I think it's 1,500. Yeah, I think right. I'm, I'm including like coaches. You might, and, and maybe the 90-plus roster, it's actually 3,000, like, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm, I mean, we're, you're, you're right. It's three guys out of 1,000 or 1,500 guys, and we're going to focus on that and do yeah. the offseason, even though, you know, people like J.J. Watt and Malcolm I mean, Jenkins. and Carson you go down Wentz. The it's 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 unanimous. It drives me crazy about the profession. We've in been general. saying it for so long, right? It drove me crazy when I was in the locker room playing because I would go, I just it's wrong the way it's portrayed uh, in the public a lot of times by the media. It's every locker room I was in. If it's it's okay, it's fifty three guys. Damn, eight years of fifty three guys. I'm going to tell you there was like four or five bad guys out of those years right. where I've just go and they weren't even that bad, but for the most part, and it just, I feel like other professions have a lot more worse guys, but it just never gets talked about. I just think with the NFL, the amount of discipline that these guys have to have to learn things, but also their body, they don't really have time to do that many bad things. Don't get me wrong. I am not excusing the domestic violence stories. I'm mm-hmm. not excusing all of the other criminal actions and stuff that have happened. However, the mass majority, it's impressive. Very one other thing that has been upsetting me. Yeah. This is a weird thing for me to be upset okay. about. I'm getting really tired of seeing people say, man, I'm just, I, I wish football season would be here. And they go, oh, quiet news day. Man, I wish football season would get here. If you're listening to one of these podcasts that are saying, oh, gosh, can't wait till football's here. Then, then why would you listen to them during the season? Because I can get you 12 pages of football news There's every day. There's on. a million stories. So all these people are like, I wish there was football going on. I don't trust it. I'm not listening to those people during the football season. I'm I, not. I don't listen to them in non-football season. So why would I listen during the season? Yes, uh, I believe the word you're looking for is we are very nuanced. Okay. Wow. You like that? Someone's been <laughs> My in some Texas meetings. education taught me that one. Uh, but yeah, seriously. I mean, we live it, you and I. So I, I hope people do respect that. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, did I, I don't know if I told you this or not, but I was told. I just thought this I'm gonna was. going to get really excited. I don't know what it is. I was told when Pac-Man J- Jones knocked that dude out, right? Yeah. That the guy broke his leg, broke his ankle. Yes, he did. Yeah. Falling. That's amazing. Some of my Pac-Man's homies texted me. Yeah, because sure he, he got, he was getting booked and then he was there with a cast on his leg. That's amazing. I didn't see the picture and I knew he had to go to the hospital. I didn't realize really. You got punched so hard in the face in your that face your legs your collapsed and broke. Holy I know. crap. I know. Okay, sorry. I just had to bring that up. But that was another one that was like, uh, the NFL is having a nightmare offseason. Like, that's not the NFL. No. Also, I want to say this, the Brandon Browner thing, yeah. the last league he played for was what? The CFL? Nope. It oh. was the flag it football the flag league. Football he literally league. played a night before that happened. When's so is it a former he's... NFL player or is it a, a flag football player? I, I think the flag football league has a lot of big issues this offseason. <laughs> did Brandon Browner, when was the last time he was in the NFL? Was he in 16? Did he play for the Saints a little in 16? He did. Right? He got picked up and everyone thought he was going to be this great guy and we were sitting there going, he wasn't even that good his last year. His last year with the Patriots, he was like Mr. Pass Interference and then he went to the New Orleans Saints and yeah. became like Dr. Pass Interference. I feel like we've gotten a lot of new people this offseason and I pledge to you you will notice the difference between us and everybody else during the season because we actually watch the games, we actually give a shit, and Sims can give you stuff that you will not get anywhere else, I promise you. Now, I need to admit that I was wrong. Odell did not get his contract by July 20th. 
I have been eliminated <laughs> along with hundreds of other people guessing when he's going to get it. He is going to be reporting to camp. Yes, good. He which, should. Which, just don't do team drills. Yeah, yeah, Only do right. isolated That's drills. That's right. But yeah, I was wrong July 20th, and you're thinking it's still going to be July 28th. No, I'm not. I'm thinking I'm going to be wrong as well. I, I do. As if you get could, closer. If, yeah. Right, when do you I think would, he gets a contract? I'm, I would change it now to like August 28th. Mm, that would be that a, close. I think so. I think it's going to become, uh, well, listen, Sims and Lefko faithful. Let's just keep piling it on the Giants. Hey, I love the Giants, but man, they're wrong in this situation. They need to pay him. And I think we should continue to badger them until they pay him appropriately. Appropriately, Been very professional this offseason, about as professional as it can get at the yeah. wide receiver position for an NFL football player who's one of the best guys in the league. And he shut his mouth, shows up to work. He's had the perfect offseason. And uh, they need to pay him like the best receiver in football. Man, uh, to some other people that were eliminated, uh, July 22nd, Abdi Adin said, today is my birthday. Odell getting a contract would be a great present. I'm Hasta sorry. La vista. Um, who else got eliminated? Fashion faux pas. Mark Hancock was eliminated. Mark uh, Hancock. Uh, Patrick Garvey wrote, uh, Chris and Adam are my birth parents. He was eliminated. So, yeah. Sorry, birth son. Yeah, not today. It's okay. Uh, it is that time, though. We're, we have, we've been away for a long time. Whoa. Big off season. I want to get right into it. Whoa! Whoa! Big off season. And the number one story that I was upset that we didn't have our podcast to get back and do hmm. was the Jimmy G. <laughs> Kiara Mia story. Well, it happened, what, on Thursday? So I we would have missed I was, it anyway. Was, that's what I'm saying. I was in Angola. I'm on the beach, and I get a bleach report alert. Jimmy G seen on date with porn star Kiara Mia. So I'm going to say this. Yes. I saw the picture first. Right. I didn't need to see the name. You knew. I'm just going to say that two thoughts came to my mind. Yes. Whoa, big off season. <laughs> and the second one was... I'm a little jealous. I, I my my second thought was Jimmy G, you're the freaking man. Yeah, and it was funny. I don't think I think it was faux outrage. I don't think anyone was like this is ridiculous. Like I didn't I didn't actually see any of that. But I saw a lot of people standing up for someone that no one was attacking. Like I saw a lot of people being like, she's a hardworking person. I was like, no one. I haven't seen one person. Agreed. Hardworking. Yeah. She's doing her stuff, right? Uh, but she was tracked down. The first by, thing I saw, yeah, well, the first thing I saw is like the video. I saw the name and I was like, "Wait, I think I know that name." And it was like in a distance, right? And I couldn't see. And then I saw like the little picture where she's actually like picking up her shirt as she's getting up. I, I mean, hey, he's a young guy. Uh, it's, it's, How do you think the Niners are taking it? It's kind of funny. I mean, you see Jimmy Garoppolo. He's very handsome. I think we all can say that. Right? And she's very attractive. And she is very attractive. But I know there's people in the football world that are like. I mean, he could date a supermodel. Why would he date a girl like this? Well, I could tell you why, but I'm not going to be too graphic about it right now. And he's having maybe fun he's more attracted guy. to the Kiara Mia. And of who the world. cares, right? It doesn't matter. He's allowed to do what he wants on his own free time. I so, but what else were you going to share from the 49ers, though? Oh, they're they're just they're like, what's they're going still on here? learning about him as a person. Like you know, they know about him as a football player and everything, and and not to say that there's anything bad as a person, yeah. but you know, they've only been with him for a few months. And yeah. this, I can't wait to kind of hear Kyle's reaction about this and what he says about it because I know he really likes Jimmy G. Thinks yes. he's a great dude. And I'm sure, knowing Kyle, we'll have a lot of fun with Jimmy Garoppolo sometime here in the first week. Like, going to do something to razz him in front of the team, I'm sure. 
to just be like, we all saw who you went out on a date with last week. I just think it shows that Jimmy G's really adept at watching film. He's all over all the, film. the film. All uh, the film. But I will say that Kiara Mia was found uh, f- followed down by TMZ, said the date was great, uh, said that he was so respectful and so nice, and then added this. And honestly, we're friends. But on that note, let me tell you this much. I've never been a fan of football. I'm officially a fan of football, and I can okay. promise the 49ers that they will make Super Bowl and win because everything I touch turns to gold. Oh! So she touched him. Oh, He's got a golden schlong. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. It's so hard to not be appropriate on this one. I hope this, that, that's why I, I, hope I, that makes I wanted to start here with this. <laughs> I just think uh, it's amazing that if the 49ers, the 49ers do gold, win, it all makes sense. If the 49ers win it all, it's all because of Kiara Mia. Oh, yeah. I mean, we need to have her on the podcast if they start to have a winning ways. I really think we do. I think what's really interesting is everyone says, if I was going to be the starting quarterback of the 49ers with a $100 million contract at 26 years old, and I'm one of the best-looking guys in the NFL, I'm going to go on dates, I'm going to do all this stuff. But then when another guy does it, we're like, can you believe that he's actually going on a date with this girl? Yeah. I just think it's funny. I do, too. It's, uh, it's cool. I yeah. think props to him. I got no. I I think a lot of props to him for just having. What, yeah, how does the locker room react? to this? Oh, I think the locker room is gonna really like. They're gonna love it and have fun, and it's gonna actually humanize him. I think in a lot mm. of ways. I think a lot of men have that kind of fantasy to begin with, without getting too deep into this subject, yeah. right? Um, I mean, apparently our president did as well, so yeah, it's not yeah, that yeah. crazy for a quarterback to think this. <laughs> so it's like not that off the rails. I think a lot of guys are going to have a lot of fun with this, though. Uh, you know, they're going to, who knows? It's just There's going to be some crude talk, for yeah. sure. Our guy, June Lee, had an article come out about uh, Jimmy G today yes. in which he said that he, him and Brady were intensely competitive and that they wanted to kill each other. Whoa. Uh, so that came out today. I didn't know that. So check that... out that article. What do you think about hearing that? Well, I, I think there's two, they're two very competitive people. I do think that. I mean, I don't know to what extent they were competing, but, I mean, Tom... Uh, and we'll get to it. I mean, Tom's a relentless worker. Tom is, he's the ultimate competitor. I mean, that's what I, I love Tom Brady. I know, I still think he's guilty of the fight gate, okay, everybody out there? And he is. There's really no other way around it in my eyes, but he's still awesome. And man, there's so many ways of Tom Brady, like, I would want to act like Tom Brady as a quarterback, the way mm. he does. Even the video he sent out the other day. I know Of him throwing the dude in the yeah, golf cart. like, okay, that's cool. I mean, I don't know if I'd be making Instagram videos of myself but quite, but I do appreciate his work ethic, his attention to detail. He is fearless competitor. I can still remember in 2005 when we went up to New England and played them in that game. The one thing I took away from that game was I just remember walking off the field, and they beat us like 27 to nothing, but I actually played a pretty solid game. We had some team mess ups and I made a few plays here and there but regardless I took away from it going ooh this is the next level of leadership I have to go to to where he's at what was he doing just like he was on his team relentlessly when he got hit I could hear him motherfucking the alignment and saying things and that's where I do think Brady's greatness and I know you and I have talked about this a little in the past you can't quantify the fact that he's actually like almost an extra coach an extra field general all the time he can hold the players accountable almost to the extent or more than Bill Belichick when they hear it from him they're like damn I let Tom down. I let him get hit or blindsided. Like they sure. feel worse about that than they do if Belichick was like, "You're an idiot. Go run a lap." So to have that 
is is something that goes overlooked, I think, with great players like Tom Brady at times. Uh, speaking of leadership like that, let's get to another, whoa, big offseason. Mitchell Trubisky is emulating Tim Duncan. He said, the quote, big fundamental. it doesn't have to be cursing someone. It has to be real. That's what the Spurs did for Tim Duncan. This is another Bleacher Report piece by Tyler Dunn. He said, I don't want to be the guy cursing everybody out. I want them to get focused on mm-hmm. the next play. Mm-hmm. You just talked about how you loved Brady and how yeah. he would MF everybody. Right. When you hear that. Is that good or bad coming out of Trubisky right it's now? It's good. You got to do your own style and you got to be your own guy. And I would look at Mitchell Trubisky and I could have told you, I think, before he got drafted to go, he's never going to lead like Tom Brady. That's not in his DNA. Like Deshaun Watson, same thing. He's never going to mother F anybody. It doesn't mean you can't be a good leader. It is greatness, I think, about Brady, but you can still lead other ways and still have greatness about you, too. I mean, there's been plenty of quarterbacks through time who are that take that quiet approach. I'm just going to work hard, keep my nose down perform on the field, let everybody see my actions, and people will follow from mm. that standpoint. And I'm, I have no problems with that. you you got to do what's naturally within you. You can't change. Have you ever seen someone really try and be different? I have. Like you, the, the, What I was going to say is you can always point out the fake leaders. Like It's just going to show at some comes point. comes to mind? I don't really want to know if I... I mean, there was like Any a guys in the NFL two. right now? No, I can't think of anybody right now. I wish I would have thought about this longer. But you All just... Right. If you come off as ingenuine as that leader, like, guys, you got to work harder, but you're the one that's like not in the weight room after practice, or you don't ever watch film, or you mess up the calls. You talked about Keyshot a lot. Yeah, well, okay. But yes, certainly. I know you're loving to try to put me with somebody I here. I do. I know you're trying very hard. But it just at some point, it's going to come off to the locker room that, oh, this is a fake. He's a Fugazi and he's not a leader, and we're not going to buy into his crap. Disingenuine. Disingenuine. What disingenuous? Is that what I said? I think you it... said ingenuine. Oh, did I? Yeah, I, I meant to say disingenuous. Is. Yes, I meant to say that. All right, I want to do a little, another quick whoa. Whoa. Joe Mixon came in at 230. Whoa. He's down to 218. Whoa. How big of a deal is that? Almost as big a deal as your cheeks being red. No, uh, no they're not that red now. It's not that funny. Uh, I actually... I'm not like, whoa, this is the biggest thing I've heard offseason, but I will put it into this like frame of mind. Joe Mixon has incredible talent. I think you and I both know that. And like him being a step faster, a step quicker, he has incredible ability. Joe Mixon is one of those guys where I say it's whoa because I would not be shocked if at the end of this season we go, man, Joe Mixon's one of the five best running backs in football. I do think he can creep his way into that discussion with his build, his movements, his body makeup, everything about him. That offense, I think the way they're going to ride him. Yeah, he has special talent. So when I hear that, I go, ooh, he he could be a little bit different this year, a little more explosive, able to take place to the house. Hear that SLFL? Draft Joe. But I think he was compared a lot to Le'Veon Bell coming out. Mm -hmm. Le'Veon lost a lot of weight, too, in his second year. Yes, he did. Do you see similarities there? I do see similarities to their run game. I think actually that this kid is probably a hair more explosive straight away. Um, but I do think there's very similar ways in which they run. He has a little bit of that delayed run as well, where he comes up to the line and he kind of waits to see where he's got to go. Uh, I do. I see a lot of that similarities in their side-to-side movement. And and really, you know, his muscular build actually is more important than, Le- I mean, more impressive than Le'Veon Bell. Damn. I mean, just when you see him as a person and what he looks like, it is. And Le'Veon Bell is extremely impressive. It doesn't mean he's going to be a better football player, obviously. Of course. But, uh, yeah, I think Joe Mixon's one of those guys. 
I'd say watch out for they it. They were very willing to get rid of Jeremy Hill and all those guys. You're exactly like, right. Not even a split not second. Even a, and they got Giovanni Bernard there for the passing their, situation. Their big question is going to be offensive line. Yes, it is. Because they've been investing in it, and they haven't been paying no, off. No, it has not paid and off. And Andy Dalton's still not the guy, but a healthy A.J. Green makes everybody better. It does. Uh, all right, so another, whoa, big offseason. People are clamoring over Sean McVay's incredible photographic memory. Did an interview with Bryant Gumble in which Bryant Gumble kind of mentioned a few different situations to him and Sean McVay could rattle it off in the internet sims. Oh my God, he's a genius. He's incredible. I can't believe it. And my thought was... Sims could do this. I could ask Sims the same situations, and he could do it. Not just you. Yeah. I think people that are studying football all the time, I don't think it's that impressive. Right. I just think people like myself get overwhelmed by this. First one he said, last year, week 16, you're playing the Titans. I already got this right, too. You you got the ball second, 11 at your own, 24, yeah. 24 in the second quarter. I Remember heard what you kind of say during the rundown, and he throws a screen to Todd Gurley to the left side. Yes. Todd, the C parts, and he runs up the left sideline, stops, or doesn't stop, but makes a cut to the right and kind of runs through the end zone somewhere around the left hash. I'm pretty sure I'm correct with that. All right, so you, you got that right, too. So here's the second moment, and I'm going to stop it. Just tell me. Yeah, okay. I'll, sure. I'll let Brian. Yeah. You can hear him? Yep. I haven't heard. When you came to New York. You're playing the Giants in week nine. Third and yep. 51, Robert Woods. Woods. Remaining the second quarter. Giants got the ball third and 10 Ooh. at the 14-yard line. Remember what happened? Okay. Do you remember what happened? What quarter was it? You talked because you can't know, stop sorry, talking. Sorry. You came to New York. You're playing the Giants in week nine. Yep. 240 remaining in the second quarter. Giants got the ball third and 10 at the 14-yard line. Remember at, what happened? Ooh. They're okay. on 14. This is I think Eli throws an interception to Alec Ogletree, I want to say, but I could be wrong. Okay, I'm going to play the clip. Okay. I don't remember. I don't know either. I'm not sure Giant, about this. The Giants had the ball. Yeah. 2.40 left in the second quarter. Tremaine Johnson had an interception. <sighs> So you're right. You got the interception, but the guy was wrong. I thought it was Alec Ogletree. Okay, so see, this is what I'm saying. I think it's impressive. Yes. I don't think it's that impressive, especially when it's your own freaking team. Yes. Okay. All right, let's try one more. Week five. Going way back now. You're at home against the Seahawks. 56 seconds left, third quarter. Rams got the ball, third and 20. Seattle's 25. Mm. I believe, oh, it's definitely a Jared Cook. Tipped, I want to say it's the bad screen pass. You mean Jared gets, Goff? Jared Goff, tipped screen pass, gets intercepted. Something like that. Mm. Okay, let's see. I want to say it's something like let's that. Let's see. Damn, I'm nervous, actually. What happened? Third and 20 uh, on Seattle's 25. Mm-hmm. Going in. Yeah, we called a screen and it got picked. Yeah, it did. Shoulder I'm good. Yep. There you Goff go. Through the interception. Yep. And if anybody thinks I'm cheating at home, well, I swear in my kids. I'm not. And I don't swear on my kids unless I'm, I'm swearing on my kids. If you want... To, to follow the Sean McVay of sports broadcasting. <laughs> Check out Sims. I knew you were going to do it. Yeah. I knew it. When I watched that, I was like, Sims could do this easily. Right. Because you, because to me, also the ones he asked, the screen they're play, big plays, right? If you're following plays. the league and yes. you just watch the film, you should stick out in your brain, right? And I'm proud of you, that. dude. I knew you were going to get thanks. That and that, that was a big play, man. The Rams would have won that game if really that didn't happen there. But yeah, um, I, I, I would think most. 
invest. I mean, most head coaches, for the most part, I'm not gonna say yeah, all. How of them. many coaches could do that? I, I think really the play caller coaches could do it. Maybe not all the game Kyle managers. McDaniels, right? McVay, whether yes, Belichick, hundred percent. Right, Belichick can tell you like, oh, play, that was play seventy one from nineteen twenty four. I mean, he's unbelievable. It's not even fair. But I do think most of those type of head coaches, play callers along with your quarterbacks, can do that. And McVay, those were layups for him. I'm sure McVay probably could, you could go into like random third and sixes. That's what I want. Well, he probably could, but Brian Gumbel's trying to give it something yeah. sexy. But he could probably, oh, that was third and six over the middle. That was incomplete. Jared made a wrong read and threw it to the guy he shouldn't have. Like, that's how awesome he would be. Right. Like, I probably wouldn't be able to guess those. Uh, I would be if I could coach the team and was the offensive coordinator. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But yes, that that's what a lot of these guys' brains work like and I think that's what makes them so great at calling plays during the games and makes them unbelievable at you know calling audibles whether it's a quarterback or the offensive coordinator during games because they can see little clues and go oh that reminds me of that play I watched on film three weeks ago Mm. they when he does that they bring that blitz I'm going to start calling this play and those are the little things that the great coaches can do have you ever been around a great coach that had a bad memory I know, I know. They all have great memories. They really How do. How is Jeff Fisher's memory? Jeff Fisher's memory is phenomenal. Really? Yeah, it is. Like, I don't think he's the type of guy, again, that's going to be able to be an encyclopedia that's, again, he would fall into the list of the next group of guys where, you know, he's going to be able to tell you a lot about a game, but he might not be able to call out every certain play because right. he truly is managing the game. Jeff Fisher was an awesome manager of the game. Right. He did things that I was like, ooh. That is really he's smart. He's a few steps ahead. He's time a few wise. steps ahead. He's thinking about, ooh, I might. He had the guys in the replay booth. He'd be like, show the replay and the big scoring so I can mm. get it. Jeff Fisher did things like. What about Gruden? Gr- oh, Gruden would be like McVeigh. He would. Without a doubt. He'd be able to rattle it off in two seconds. He'd, this is funny because I remember when LeBron was in the finals and he was like replaying one of the play, like one of the possessions in his head. And right. everybody was like, oh, that's so impressive. And I heard a few NBA players go, we can all do that. Yeah, yeah. Like right. that's something we could all do. I figured this was something just like I that. think all the good veteran players, especially in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes into the whole comment of what like we always talk about with like sports. Like when people always like the game slowing down for him. Right. Like I bet you there's some rookie quarterback this year where they can't remember plays. They're like, damn, I can't even remember because the game was a whirlwind to them first year. They're just like, damn, can I get the play out of the huddle? Okay, I got the huddle. Let me just figure out what was this play again as they're walking in the line of scrimmage where you have the guys like, you know, the Matthew Staffords, the Drew Brees, all of them with their comfort in their zone. The game is so slow. It's like, oh, it's another game on a Sunday. This is great. Yeah. And they, the game is so slow to where they can recall it all. Peyton was the same way. Tom would be the same way. Yeah. I mean, like I told you, I, I literally feel like I could see things on the field that I would not be able to see in everyday life because your senses are so alert, too. You know, when people are trying to tear your head off that are a lot bigger than you and you have 70,000 fans, the shit you can hear and see, it's like a survival mechanism, right? We had the brain guy come in here and talk to us a little bit. Same thing. Like, I remember dropping back the pass and being like, man, he's 30 yards away and he's wearing like 
a face mask that's got a lot of stuff on it, but I can see his eyes and like where he's looking. Yeah, his body might be pointing to the left, but his while eyes are to the right. While you're running back. Why I'm he's dropping running. back? And I'd be like, and Gruden be like, why didn't you throw that guy? I was like, I'm just telling you, all his bright lights were on the guy you wanted me to throw to. He was just waiting for me to do that. And those are the little things you start to go, oh, I'm getting comfortable. Like I'm like really noticing shit that I never noticed before. That's when I always think of the Ray Lewis quote, where he's like, your brain reaches a speed oh, that's so fast right, right when your body can't be at that <laughs> yeah, speed yeah, anymore. Yeah. Right when the game is like, I could do whatever I want, right, your right, legs go out. Right. It was like a Zach Thomas, like we talked about. Ray, I played Ray once in my life, and he definitely called eight to ten run plays spot on, knew where we were running it, and I was just like, here you go, Michael Pittman, have fun, see you later. <laughs> Here's, uh, speaking of Ravens, last, whoa, big offseason, the battle continues dun, dun, dun. between oh. Flacco and Lamar Jackson. Can I say this? Yeah. I thought about you so many times this week in Yellowstone. That's really weird. In Wyoming, it's all right. That's okay. Um, because they have Ravens there. And... <laughs> You just like my Raven I love it. But the, our sound that we have for our Raven board, whatever, yeah. which is not go, on here, go. it's so spot on. And really? every time, my, my family saw me like giggle a few times because I always thought about you. Send the Raven. Send the Raven. I love go, that. Go. It's We're coming for you, Raven. All right, sorry. Okay. Uh, Lamar Jackson article came out yesterday, or for a quote from Marty Morningweg, quote, he's way ahead of the curve now. But I went and I looked into the article because we take this one line and we make it the whole piece and no one reads anything anymore. And the rest was, as far as his accuracy and all that, he's really, really worked hard and you can see on the practice field it's coming now. Michael Crabtree said that he acknowledged that Jackson is a baller, but that he's still trying to learn the offense, understand coverages, and continue on his way to getting there. So I saw the way ahead of the curve, but then when I read the articles, all these, he's ahead of the curve, but yeah. he's still working on his accuracy. He still doesn't know the playbook, all that, which is expected. He's right, a rookie. Right. Then Marty Morningweg also said about Joe Flacco, quote, he's moving and grooving better than ever, which is really interesting. We did that story two weeks ago. Flacco's more mobile. He's running around. He's leading. Going to work out with his receivers. Never done that before. Eric Weddle said, quote, I expect Joe to have a career year this year and him to lead our team to the playoffs. The writer, Jamison Hemsley, also said there's no QB controversy in Baltimore because Flacco is throwing the ball at a different level than Jackson and RG3. Whoa. I mean, okay, there's a lot here. Uh, all right, so first let's just hit on the Flacco thing. I think I would expect Flacco to have a pretty big year, too. I think it's going to be the, the Alex Smith-Patrick well, Mahomes. Well, it's the first year he's really had a poker in his ass where somebody's like, oh, yeah, you think this is just going to be a picnic, huh? And you can just be Joe and act however you want, and you might throw an interception, and the defense will bail you out. But I'm getting paid so much, I'm not right. going anywhere. Now, Joe, before the contract, was a very underrated football player. Like, he really was. Joe Flacco, first of all, his arm, it is a special arm. It's special. And it doesn't TV doesn't do it justice. A little bit like Tom Brady, where because they're such big guys and they're very long, they can throw the ball very hard without minimal effort. And it doesn't give you the theatrics maybe of what like, mm. Aaron Rodgers looks like at times when he yeah. throws. Yeah, right. Just doesn't look the same. But I can promise you, having seen these people in person and having caught bra- balls from Tom Brady before, that the M ever can hum it in there. Okay. Uh, and Flacco, I, I do think is one of those guys. When people see him in person, you go, oof. I mean, it's like it's 350 yards down the middle of the drive, down the middle of the fairway. Once again, like he's that kind of thrower. Yeah. Um, 
I do think the Ravens are going to be a better football team. I do think the Ravens are going to be a playoff football team. Really? Of course, I expect them to be better this year. First of all, they're Marty fucking Morningway, loaded. Marty when you look Morningway, at their roster, they right. got talent at every position. This is the best wide and receiving score. They can stay years. healthy. Exactly. They never had a receiving core like this. First of all, they got Hayden Hurst in the first round, who yep. was a very good tight end. Like I'm excited about him. You they, love Willie Sneed. You got Willie Sneed, John Brown, Crabtree, Crab right? To yeah. add to the mix. So he's first time he's got weapons, and Morning Wang's getting to put his full stamp on the offense. I like their running backs. Exactly. So I would expect that, too. Now, Lamar Jackson, I, uh, ahead of the curve. Okay, well, we don't know where they thought the curve was. So uh, right. that's such a broad statement. They're, point. They might have had a gigantic curve, and he's a little bit ahead of it. Yeah, they so, may have expected nothing. Right, exactly right. So I look at that and just go there. I know a little bit from down there that there's basically what you said. There's a lot of impressive things. He's definitely eye-opening at times with some of the balls he throws and things like that. But learning the offense, consistency on accuracy, there's still work to be done there yet. It's not perfect, but I think they're very excited about I'm what they got. I'm reading a lot of uh, quotes about double quarterbacks and both guys touching the ball yeah. on plays. Yeah. Do you think your dad's bet of five quarterback snaps in week one is still going to happen? I don't. I think he's. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think he'll... Because my dad... I I think said five like true like true he's in shotgun or underneath yes i'm gonna say it's like two and then Ooh. he's on the field like five other plays maybe 10 other plays in the game where he's lined up at the running back or a slot receiver something Returning like that kicks i mean who knows oh man i know but uh the one thing i've heard is from him too is and a little bit like his film he is better with the harder throws than he is with the easier throws at times really he I think that's is, what you're hearing from Baltimore. Yeah, it shows consistent accuracy throwing the ball down the field, but the five yard shallow cross is like 50 50. Mm. Right? So we'll see where it goes, but I think things are all pointing in the right direction for He's that. He's with man. the right coaching staff to yeah, get it too, done, too. Without a doubt. Uh, Harbaugh's going to try and do some stuff. Oh, yeah. What? Let's get to yeah. let's get to the next segment. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, first one, uh, training camps have already started for the Ravens and Bears last week because they have the Hall of Fame game in Canton. Uh, some rookie camps are starting, some tomorrow. Other camps, actual camps are starting. Main, a lot of the main training camps are starting Wednesday. Uh, but John Harbaugh had a little thing about training camps. He said acclimation is very important. If we can get a week instead of two days, not to push it back so we have a shorter time to get our football balls football guys ready, to put in front of training camp where we can get our guys to ramp up for the collisions and hard movements, maybe we can avoid some of those first two to three day injuries that we get during training camp. That's our goal this year. So the Ravens are implementing that now. Yeah. They're implementing about a week of kind of ramping it up slowly. We say this all the time. Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to hate this. I'm going to predict it. There's going to be like five major ACL We got to go full 100%. I got to see if my pro bowl running back is still a pro bowler five months after the fact. Yeah. So they go full speed. They make a hard cut. Your body's not used to exploding at that speed. And then down. Right. Like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's going to be about six or seven ACL injuries. Hamstring pulls. All the soft tissue stuff is going to happen. And then you're going to see an article that says ACL epidemic. It strikes out of nowhere. And I've told you all every year. There's an average of 26 to 27 
ACL injuries before week one, and usually most of them happen this week. So let's see which team slowly ease into it. Ravens got hit with a lot of injuries last year. Dennis Pitta, like all the time. Oh, gosh. I mean, they lost Brent Urban, Marshall Yonda. Yes. I mean, they were out. I mean, they had a ton. Ronnie Stanley was out for periods of time. They lost their left starting guard, Alex Lewis, for the whole year. So there was a ton of players. So that's why they're going to ease into it. And you think this is really smart? I think it is really smart. I mean, I I think so much of John Harbaugh, I think he's a guy, of course, he lives it. And he's always thinking about this. And he he does a really good job, I think, of putting himself in the player's shoes and asking what's realistic of a player. Um, I I think more teams should follow this mold where maybe you cut the offseason program off a week or two earlier, right? You get out June 5th. And buy yourself more time then, because I, if I was a head coach, would rather, instead of my guys coming in on July 28th, I might be like, you know what, I want everybody there July 21st. We won't grind you into the ground too early, but we're going to get in shape, have some practices, a little film. I'll let you go home in a decent hour. And then after like the fifth or sixth day, training camp will really start to Do the normal Do you think mode. if you told guys you get out earlier in July, but you come back earlier towards the end of July and you were that open with them, would they like that? I don't know. I don't know if they would. Because you guys are tough with change. It, it is tough with change. I, the, the, the first thing I thought about is Mike Shanahan back in the day with the Denver Broncos, he used to do this where he would have like basically June would be off for the players, but he would have them back not long after the July 4th and even have some OTAs and do that because he didn't want them to go that long period of time of nothing. And I understand that. And I think that is a little bit of a problem. You know, high school, college football, they don't go that long without it. You know, the, the college kids, most of them are down there on campus. They're working out. They're doing their own seven-on-seven stuff. They're staying ready. College kids, I, I mean, high school kids, I'm here in the, wherever you are. We're going to a seven-on-seven camp. We're playing in this league for seven-on-seven. We're doing conditioning, all that. So it never stops leading into the NFL season. NFL football players, a lot of the times, are in this great shape. Then they go home, and they do nothing for three weeks and then they try to revamp up like 10 days before it's time let me get back into like real good shape again and you're not quite where you need to be like you said when the bullets are flying and you also know I gotta make a cut at 100% here and get through the line of scrimmage. One guy that will not be at training camp, at least to start, is Josh Gordon. Uh, he had a Twitter post in which he said, uh, a part of my overall health and treatment plan, I'm not coming in. John Dorsey came out and said, we will continue to support Josh as he receives the care needed to maintain his progress. We are going to respect his privacy while he is away from the team. Josh will be placed on the non-football illness reserve list until he's ready to return. Adam Schefter then came out and tweeted that Josh Gordon did not have any slip-ups or failed tests per per sources and that he is working his ass off. Florio then came on the top of that on Pro Football Talk and said, if I were a betting man, I'd wager this isn't accurate. The NFL would not have a reason to say they'll address Gordon's status at the appropriate time if he had no slip-ups or failed tests. I put a few things together. Who was the one person that got Baker Mayfield right? Adam Schefter. You're right. So that this is clearly Schefter's coming from John Dorsey. This was always our concern with Josh Gordon, and your first thought was, I don't believe this. Well, I don't know if he failed the drug. I'm not, I don't, I, not about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe there's some relapse. Yeah, there must have been some relapse. I mean, we, we didn't just like, oh, I'm not going to show up for training camp because I just, you know, 
I, I don't I mean I don't even know what to say. For the guy that the evidence we have out there and his past history, it shows me relapse. For the NFL to say they were what looking into the matter and they weren't gonna do anything as of yet. Right. Well, in, in a player's case like a Josh Gordon, when you've been suspended for a year, like the policy says like any player reinstated a year or more after banishment, a clear link between something, anything happening and another banishment. So that to me means there could have been something. So he might have been drunk one night or whatever. He might have not got drug tested the next right. morning to have see the alcohol in his system. But maybe he got worried and was like, damn, I've had two nights in a row where I got drunk. I don't know. Those are just the things that are going through my head. He did not just show up for his own, like, oh, I'm not showing up because I want to hang out on Anguilla for a few more days. Yeah. So there's got to be something there. And this is, I just would like to say, this is the reason why I did not put them as one of the top five trios. Okay. So at Jarvis Landry, who sent uh, Instagram posts of crying, laughing, crying emoji, um, I'm going to send back uh, thinking emoji. Hmm, I wonder why I didn't put you guys in the top three trio. Because this was your fear. It's, it's all speculation. I Don't assume. I, I thought that he had, I hope he's turned the corner. I hope We're so too. We're both rooting for him. No doubt about as it. As a person, as a player, but always. That's why I couldn't put them in there. Not only because of him, Corey Coleman hasn't been healthy in his career yet. So like, okay, there's potential. Assume, whatever. You make an ass out of you and me, right? If you assume things are going to be the I way. I did. Yeah. I'm an ass. That's all right. Uh, speaking that. of hmm, interesting and not showing up, Kevin Dodd not showing up either to mm. Tennessee Titans camp. And you're kind of seeing a wave of these guys. Well, I, I just, I don't really get the Kevin Dodd one. I don't understand that. Tennessee Titans pass rusher out of Clemson. Yep, 33rd pick in the draft a few years back. Same as Shaq Lawson. Uh, and Kevin Dodd, the, the one thing I would be looking at is just, man, he's he's in a defense that's really going to suit him now. With and they just Rabel drafted Harold and, Landry. Right, they got Harold Landry. I mean, Arakpo's getting up there in age, right? Uh, I just would look at that and go, man, I would think there's going to be some role. Mike Vrabel's your head coach. He would going to try to make you into Mike Vrabel. And, uh, you know, our our defensive coordinator from Baltimore is there. Um, Dean Peace. Dean Peace. Yeah, but it, it's interesting that Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd have not turned out to anything. Dominated that college football championship yeah. for Clemson. Yeah. Dominated. I'll, Unblockable. I'll say this. If you remember back... You in, did not trust Shaq Lawson I at never all. trusted Shaq Lawson. Kevin I did Dodd, trust Kevin did. Dodd. I did. I thought Kevin Dodd had potential, so I could be wrong there, and it looks like I am wrong to this point. Yes, Shaq Lawson was one of those guys where I never saw it. I, you know, and again, I don't know... Yeah, he was the 19th pick of the draft somewhere in that Well, he range. went to Buffalo because, you know, Rex, Rex Ryan was on the was Clemson, there. right. So yeah. I think he got overdrafted because of that. But, yeah, I find that peculiar with the, the Kevin Dodd situation, especially for a guy who's not lived up to his billing to this point in his career. Uh, last, hmm, interesting. Hmm. Darrell Rivas, our good friend, retired. Uh, and I saw that uh, Josh found the old clip of us interviewing him, and we were asking what his spirit animal was. And I forgot, I said that he was a spider. You know what I mean? Because he's got his web, and you come into it, and he attacks. Well, the NFL Instagram posted a picture of him with T.O., Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss, and their stats against him. Each played three games against him. T.O. had eight, he caught eight balls for 46 yards, no touchdown, one interception. Mm -hmm. Calvin Johnson caught four balls for 57 yards, no touchdown, no interception. That's incredible. Incredible. 
Randy Moss had nine catches, 88 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and one was that, that one-handed it, catch in the back of the when end zone. he just burned them. Yeah. Like that was the first time that I saw Revis get burned, and right. that was sort of when people went, "This Patriots 20, 2017 is pretty incredible." So NFL wrote on, as their caption, "Even the best receivers were left stranded on Revis Island." Randy Moss commented underneath it. Man, he's really paying attention to social media lately. It's no island when you got safety help. Stop fooling yourself. He's a great cornerback, but come on. And then commented again, not taken from Revis because he's a great cornerback and very talented. Deion Sanders played on an island with no safety help. All I'm saying. I think Randy's wrong. I'm sorry. Really? Sorry, Randy. Yeah. I knew you were going to disagree. Revis is... An island. Bill Belichick didn't pay want to pay him forty million a year because he said, "Oh, he has safety help." Well, I mean, that's that's erroneous. That's where ego gets into some of these Hall of Fame players. So you disagree with Randy Moss? Totally. He lived on an island. I watched a ton of film of Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis. When I was working in New England, I mean, it was obsessive. I had to make special tapes of Darrell Revis. And this is when he wasn't on the team yet. No, he was in New York, and I was working for the Patriots. And they wanted him. He was on an island. Without a doubt. Now, so did he, was there certain plays? No, I, he lived on an island more than anybody I know, other than Deion Sanders. And I had this conversation with my dad a few days ago because I, you know my stance. I think Darrell Revis is the second best corner of our lifetime. Uh, to me, he had a seven-year period there where, I mean, he had an island named after him, and he shut down people like that, and there wasn't great safety help. He's totally wrong in that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, know, don't agree with that at all. And Rex, Rex Ryan's defenses are not two safety defenses for the most part, especially when he was in the Jets in that time. But the other thing I would say, uh, and when I said this to my dad, just to add some context, he goes, oh, he goes, yeah, he's pretty awesome. I know my dad said he would take Darrell, Darrell Green and Mike Haynes from the Raiders over Darrell Revis. So he was number four for my dad. He's number two for me. And I know I don't have the experience against Mike Haynes or Darrell Green like my dad does, but the area I push back against my dad is, man, Darrell Green and Mike Haynes could do a whole lot more with their hands and the things that Darrell Revis would have been illegal. They would have Mm -hmm. said, no, that's a penalty. You can't do that. You can't push the guy 20 yards down the field and knock him down. That's against the rules. And Darrell Revis wasn't allowed to do some of those things. So, yeah, I... um, You disagree with Randy. Totally, and I usually don't. Randy's the man, and Randy really pays attention, but I I don't know why he's saying that. That must be ego. And that one-handed pass you're talking about was not in the 2007 season. That was was the year he gets traded to the Minnesota Vikings and then goes somewhere else after that. Yeah, it was past Randy's prime. Was it? Yeah, it was just there was no safety in the middle of the field on that play by by yes. just to let you know. It was a post down the middle and he caught it in the back of the end zone. Yeah, I'm going to say that was like 2009. Wow. Yeah. All right. I knew you were going to disagree with Randy there cuz I know that Revis is your guy. You yeah. said it right to his I, face. Randy's my guy too, man. I like Randy. I just, you know, I just don't agree with that one. All right. Pay that man his money. Let's talk a little money. We got to fill people in. Odell is here. Odell is oh, not going to talk about yet. me. Talk about me. Uh, you should get some money. Uh, speaking of the Giants, uh, Saquon Barkley, fully guaranteed contract. Yeah. Four years, thirty-one point two, fully guaranteed, twenty point eight million dollars signing bonus. I've never seen a fully guaranteed rookie contract before. Yes, you have. Yeah. Which people? There's been a lot of them. Have there? Yeah. 
There has. Even in the in the recent after they switched from the Sam Bradford era? Yeah, yeah. That's when you've seen them. The fully guaranteed, yes. Because it's like, oh, okay, it's a $25 million guarantee so over five years. Who the hell cares? I mean, that's going to cost them what? $20 million. It was a four-year deal for 31 So that's $8 million average, right? Right. All right, so wait, hold on. And then you can, I mean, he's going to count almost nothing against the cap. To give him the signing bonus, that gets cut in half, too, because that's how the formula works. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not surprised by this. This is usually what high draft picks get. It's a slotted type of money that just goes up a few million dollars per year. Yeah. And I was not shocked to see this. It's just crazy. In terms of cap hit, Saquon Barkley is the eighth highest running back. He's the eighth highest. Yeah. What is it? What is he's it? ahead of Devonte Freeman? What What's his? Uh, you got it right there. Five point six million. Five point six million this year. Hit. Yeah. Number yeah. one is Le'Veon. Number two is Jarek McKinnon. Number three is Lashawn McCoy. Then Zeke. Then Lamar Miller. Lamar. Lamar. Miller. Oh, Lamar Miller. What's Houston he at? Texans. He's at a uh, six point seven five. Okay. So here you're getting. I mean, that's amazing. It just tells you again what, how low it is. Whoa, we're getting Saquon Barkley, uh, probably going to be the most explosive player in football this year for five million a year. Whoa, big offseason. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's why they're getting screwed. And by, he'll he might be beat to shit by the time he wants a new contract. And they go, oh, you're beat up. Your quads aren't as big anymore because we've had nine million people chop them down since we give you the ball all the time. Now we can't pay you anymore. Well, the guy that's trying to change this for all the running backs, Le'Veon Bell, his cap hit with this franchise tag is fourteen point five million. Mm-hmm. So he's far and away the most at running back. But he's trying to get a long term deal, and it sounds like. A a lot of guarantees. Yeah. He turned out a contract, Ian Rappaport, who, uh, I'm just going to say this. I know it's the NFL reporter's job to just give the information that they're given. Yeah. But when it's fucking propaganda, I think it's kind of malicious. So when Rappaport comes out and says, Le'Veon Bell turned down a five-year, $70 million contract, and then everyone starts blowing up about how Le'Veon Bell's greedy, and he never put out the guarantees, he never put out any of the details, that is the NFL team's playbook on how to fight the public against the player. You put out a number, and, and the comments are, well, I make minimum wage. Well, you're not an NFL player. So shut the fuck up. But the, that was a little bit too much. Yeah. But the but the truth is, is I think it's almost messed up for a reporter to put out any contract information without the guarantees, because those contracts do not matter. Those numbers don't matter. I, know, I don't know why it's still being reported. I get it you. is a tactic for NFL teams to alienate their players. So but every you, NFL you team made two hundred. Every NFL team made two hundred and fifty-five million dollars in revenue. That's before ticket sales. That's before convenience sales. That's before jersey sales. And yet here we are going, Le'Veon. You're going to turn down fourteen million dollars? Yes. Because I'm already getting 14 and a half for my franchise tag. Right. I, I don't understand why the public always takes side with the billionaires. And I guess Ian needed to break the story because he got the information. I just think it's propaganda. And eventually, reporters need to realize that they are being tools used to put forth propaganda. I know. It's really annoying how the public doesn't want to give players respect. And the football's a little... Like, I thought about this a lot over the last month. Like, football's a little different because people are... Um, they're true to the the emblem, like it's the Eagles, it's the Giants. They you really know, care the, about the they teams. really care about the team, the jersey, 
where other sports it's about the player and it the is. fans vouch for the player more than they do for I'm the, a LeBron of the team. fan. I'm right. a Mike Trout fan. Right. I'm yeah. an Aaron Judge fan, whatever yeah. it is. So, yes, yeah, so that's where football players are. I don't get it either. The the, the, the blatant disrespect. I'm not going to get on Ian Rappaport. First of all, that's just the information he was given. Right. I don't I know Ian well enough to know that he'd be on the player side more times than not for sure. Okay. He's a good dude. And I would say this as well where I just am surprised with Pittsburgh that they would even try these propaganda moves. Like, it's propaganda, it right? It's totally propaganda. I mean, you're totally right on that aspect. It's not even like debatable. I mean, five years, seventy million. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. I mean, so what? And they offered him what did it say? It was thirty million over the first two years. Over the first two guaranteed. And then I think it was a ten million dollar signing bonus. Why the fuck would he agree to that? What? What? Why? It, to me, it shows that the Steelers really only believe in him for two more years. And pretty much, I think it's very, it's very risky. There's no way he can sign that deal. That's, that's what I mean. So if the, if you're getting 33 over the first two years guaranteed, let's see, there's 43 total. Then that means there's 27 million dollars of imaginary money that Rappaport it's put out there that, that he's not going to see. Goes in with that 33. So it's don't add it. Don't make it 43. No, it's 30, 33. Oh, oh, that's just the 33. The 10 million signing bonus is part of the 33. So guaranteed. then there's 37 million dollars right. that was released to the public that does not exist and oh, he will not they see. They offered him five years, 33 million. Two million more than Saquon Barkley, who hasn't done shit yet. That's what I'm saying. And he had an extra year in his thing. So do you think the Saquon deal being all guaranteed and being that amount of money that Le'Veon would use that or is he past that point? I think argument? he's past that. He's past it. Now, I don't think Le'Veon Bell can ask for 17 million a year. That's not realistic, but I do think it's realistic for him to ask and command somewhere between 12 and 14. I don't think that's crazy. 12 and 14 what? A million a year. I don't think that's Who, crazy. Yeah. Dude, he wants 15 to 17. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's going to get that. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think you can sit there and go, I'm going to make 10 million more per year than any other running back in the sport. Uh, he's awesome, but he ain't twice as good as LaShawn McCoy. He ain't like three times better than Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, so that's the only thing I'm going to push back on. You know I like Le'Veon. I'm not trying to hate on him, and right. I want him to get paid. But I do think set between 15 and 17 is not realistic. I do think somewhere between 12 and 14 and a half is. I think my thing, though, with Le'Veon Bell that's kind of tough is that I look at Le'Veon. He's 26 years old. Mm -hmm. He's the only running back in NFL history with three seasons of 1,200 yards rushing, 600 yards receiving, nine touchdowns by the time he turned 25. And he had And he had 94 catches last season. Right. He had a hundred and something targets. He had more targets than your team's number one receiver. Yeah. So he, look, I look at Saquon. Saquon said right after the draft, there was an article that came out and the headline was giant Saquon Barkley. I'm not just a running back. I think that the uh, they're going to kill the running back position, but Le'Veon is more than just a running he back. Is. He gets lined up at wide receiver all I the know. time. I think there's a lot of running backs that could do that, though, too. That's where I would push back, just for argument's sake. Right? Again, I, I have great respect for Le'Veon. He's the man. But I do think like there's a good 10 running backs in football that I think if you put them in Pittsburgh's offense, their numbers would be very similar. There were some reports that he might... Uh, sit out a bunch of the season and I come back. So. We've always said the, the the best situation would be sit out until week 10, ten right. then play those final six games. Get the accredited season. Get your credited season. Right. And I think for Le'Veon Bell, it makes the most sense. I don't. I wouldn't be any... Or just show up right before the season starts. And, uh, and again, I'm not going to be any mad. Put, put minimal effort. 
oh, man, hamstring sore. I can't really run till Sunday. Sorry, guys. So Aaron Donald doesn't have a contract. Le'Veon doesn't have a contract. Odell doesn't have a contract. Khalil Mack doesn't have a contract. All of our favorites. All my man crushes. John Gruden had a quote that was really bad. I thought what he was like, man, it's, it's just really hard. We got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. Yeah. And I went one, you're I, not the GM. So like, clearly you're acting as GM. Like you just said that Reggie McKenzie, like you need to figure this out. You just said, but two, the coach is always supposed to say, I want to pay this guy. Yeah. Let's get him paid. Let's get him on the field. Gruden's back here acting like the GM and he's not the GM. Well, we don't know what he's kind of probably power the GM, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, you got to watch what you say. Gruden. I know. You know what? This is one thing he doesn't care. And I believe I said this a few weeks back where I said it will only be a matter of time before his head wants to pop off with this Khalil Mack situation. He knows that this guy's a stud. This is the best player on his and football team. they don't have, they have no chance. None. none. So he's going to go crazy. He's going to drive everybody in the front office and ownership crazy until it gets done. He's not going to fret about... He's, you know, he's cool. Where he, he's not going to be like, well, this isn't my extra five million dollars, but I want him on the fucking team, so pay it to him, yeah. whatever. Yeah, he's he wants the player. He's on the side of the player when it comes to stuff like that. It's July. Yeah, we've been having this conversation about these four players since April. It's so annoying. But here's my question for yeah. you: How many of them actually get a deal done? What's your what's your July updated prediction? Donald, Odell, Le'Veon, and Mac. I think. I think Donald and Mac definitely get it, 100%. Okay. I think they're going to get it. Le'Veon's not going to get anything. I don't think he gets anything. And I think that mm, Odell is like a coin toss right now. I mean, if you made me pick, I'm going to say he gets it towards the end of training camp. But uh, he's definitely wish-washy. I'm pretty confident that Le'Veon doesn't get anything done, and I'm confident that Khalil and Mac, Khalil Mac and Aaron Donald do get it done. Yes. But then the Odell situation, I look at and go, it's a coin flip. I think what's really crazy to me with the Aaron Donald situation is the amount of money that went to Brandon Cooks. Yeah. And it's like, that was your priority. That's who you wanted to lock down. My predictions, I think Khalil Mack is the first one to get a deal. I think that Odell gets a deal the week of the first game. I think it's like the week before he gets a new deal. I think that Le'Veon is going to hold out, and I do think he misses games. And I also think that Aaron Donald is going to miss some games. You do. I think that Aaron Donald, for me, it sounds like they're really at a standstill. And if there's one guy that has a lot of leverage, it's the 20-something-year-old guy coming off a defensive player of the year after shattering records for sacks at his position in his first few years. Hey, he's... He has, like, Khalil Mack, I could make a lot of arguments that there are some things in his game that are better than Aaron Donald's game. Um, He's younger than Le'Veon Bell's current situation. He doesn't have the -the off-the-field stuff like Odell Beckham, which I don't think they're an issue, but for some people they do. But Aaron Donald is the perfect person that has also mentioned holdouts before. Right. Andy's in LA, and you know Gurley's in here talking. Gurley's been talking about money the whole offseason. The whole Rams team is talking about money. Now he's got Indomitian Sue next to him. He's got Akib Talib next to him. He's got Marcus Peters back there. He's got a lot of people that are going to go get paid. Yeah. Get paid. Yeah, I think yeah. Donald's going to miss some games too. Uh, that, I think. I, I wouldn't I, be shocked. I mean, he, man, I mean, Aaron Donald, he's on pace to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. And, that's and what I'm saying. And you're, you're right about the Brandon Cook situation. First thing I thought of, now, it really shouldn't affect them. Like, I have the contract situation in front of my eyes. It's $8.4 million a year. Okay. All right? You know, he got a five-year deal. He got $20 million guaranteed. 
It was right at the signing. Okay, so that only counts five years into twenty million. Only counts four million against the mm. cap, right? So yeah, I mean eight million, eight point four million a year. That's nothing. Yeah. It's, again, that's NFL propaganda in itself. There you go. It's a five year. Mm. I would. It's really what it is. Is a five year. It's really a three year, right? I'm going to say it's a three year, thirty six million dollar deal. That's what that's what Brandon Cooks got. Yeah, basically, because everything else is backloaded. It was funny when I was arguing about for Le'Veon on on Twitter. A lot of I brought up Sammy Watkins' contract, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of Chiefs fans got upset and said, "Why is it that every contract dispute that comes up, everyone's bringing up Sammy Watkins like he sucks?" And I said, "It's not that he sucks. Right. It's that Sammy Watkins has missed a lot of time right. and has not had the great moments. Never or been in the, the other ones, right? And yet he still got." paid. Yeah. Levion was been suspended multiple times, missed a number of games, got injured because of Vontez perfect. Right. It's an easy comp yeah. because they both missed time and Sammy still got 16 a year. Yeah, and we're, I would also argue too with Sammy at no point has he ever been in the conversation for one of the five best receivers in football and not even the 10 best. No. Where Levion Bell is in the top three conversation the last three, four years. One guy always in our top three, Julio Jones. Atlanta Falcons come out and says they are not giving Julio Jones a new deal. Mm. Will that spill over to the season? Because Julio seemed pissed when all this stuff was going down. I don't think that fades away. I don't think so either. I I think Julio's like, I don't know, maybe too good of a guy to be dis- like totally disgruntled. I wish he wasn't. I've seen more of Julio on camera this offseason than any offseason. Yeah, I know. Doing different projects. He definitely has the right to be disappointed. He really does. I, 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 don't, know. I don't know how this is going to play out. I really don't. I think with Julio, I mean, just everything he showed me throughout his career is that he's a team guy and he doesn't want attention for the wrong reasons, and I think he'll end up playing. That's going to be my guess. You think he's going to? I think this. I think that if I'm an agent Mm -hmm. for a player, I'm only doing three-year deals. I'm trying to do the NBA model for NFL players. Dear NFL team, I'm not interested in your five-year, six-year, seven-year deal. It's been a little thing of propaganda that you've been using. No one sees the last few years. I only want three-year deals. In the honor of Kirk Cousins getting three years, 84, all guaranteed, I'd like a lot of guaranteed money, too. Do you not trust me? Why? I'm guaranteed. I'm I'm here. I'm guaranteed. The other reason, CBA is up in three years. Right. So if I get a three-year deal, I'm getting all my money. It, it's all I'm getting all of it. If I get a four-year deal, I might not see that fourth year. I might not see that fifth year. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to get torn up? How's it going to go? I want my contract aligned with the CBA. If the percentages change, I want to be able to negotiate with those new percentages of revenue sharing. If there's a stoppage in work, my contract is over. I can go and do whatever I want right now. Right. I'm, I'm only doing a three-year deal for a number of reasons. One being, let's get on these NBA contracts mm-hmm. and stop at the long term, and also the CBA. Yeah. What do you I, think of that? I do. I mean, I, I do think that the guaranteed contract, uh, maybe lesser total number, uh, chance to get back at the negotiating table quicker is going to become the fad in the NFL. Has to. Like, what's the point? What's what, what not to, right? I mean, it's it, we're seeing and we're learning, especially through these stars, that, of course, the back ends of these contracts are so loaded and the teams never live up. Never. Ever. Like, never. It's been, like, five people in the history of the sport that have, like, seen 
the total amount of their. And it's like Tony Romo, Tom it's Brady. It's like people like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's like Drew Brett Brees. Favre. Brett Favre, I still think, is like the only guy ever to see like $100 million of the $100 million contract. Mm. So now I think there's going to be other guys that come along that are going to also do that. But yeah, it's just, um, I do think that's going to be the wave of the future because guys are going to go, let me just get as much now. I'm going to bet on myself so I can get back to the table and get more later. All right, let's get into some interesting quotes. Uh, and we got two quotes here from guys that I don't really. Not that big of a fan of, but they had good quotes. First one, speaking about money, Blake Bortles. Damn, good quote, Bortles. Good Blake. Uh, Talking about Tom Brady's contract. Quote, I think definitely the way that Tom has done it is the way to try to model. Having guys and putting pieces around him was definitely something. When you take up a ton of money, you kind of limit your team and who they can help you out with and put around you. I'm not naive enough to say that we don't need a running game. We also need a good defense, receivers. We need all those pieces. You can't play as a quarterback and do it yourself, so I'm willing to take less money than someone else might in my position to put good guys around us. One, completely agree. Right. Two, um, good self-propaganda for himself. It's also like, oh, I took less money because I didn't want a lot more. No, nobody no. was going to offer you anything yeah, more than that. They right. probably were going to only offer you that, right. if, if that. Right. You know. Uh, the other thing, though, is Blake Bortles could be a, a very troublesome for us because you have been intertwined with Blake Bortles. Right. If, because he's not taking so much, the rest of the team is great. We just saw this. Eagles, Minnesota, Jacksonville in the final four. None of them had a great quarterback, Nick Foles, Case Keenum, Blake Bortles, but the rest of the team was good. Right. Blake Bortles and the Jaguars could be good for a very long time yeah. because he's willing to take a little bit less money. They they could. I mean, it's the most talented team in football. That's not even arguable. I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, they should have been home field advantage in the playoffs last year if they had a quarterback that wasn't number 70. I'm sorry. But you think there's a misconception about Tom Brady's contract? Well, yeah, contract. I do think the Tom Brady thing's way overblown. Listen, I know Tom Brady early in his career, he literally said to the New England Patriots, I won't take one less penny than Peyton Manning, who was the highest paid player in football. So don't get that. That first is wrong. The other thing that's wrong, too, is Tom isn't raising his hand to the New England Patriots going, I'll take less, I'll take less. Now, he got the benefit of marrying a woman that's making $43 million a year, so that's awesome. But I know for a fact New England has given him ultimatums. Like, this is what we're paying you, and that's it. And they say, yes, it's for the betterment of the team, but it's not like they're just like, Oh, it's not like Tom going like, oh, Bill, I'll, I'll take 10 million less. It's okay. No, the, New England doesn't give a shit about anybody. They've gone, what is it? 14 and six without Tom Brady. Belichick and that regime think they can win with a lot of quarterbacks. So you're, so, so the public goes, man, Tom Brady is so generous. He doesn't need when a When I was there in 2012, everything I had been led to believe is they'd strong arm Tom Brady. Like, here's the deal. And if you want to be the quarterback of the team, there it is. And if you don't, then go ahead. Now, I don't know if it would have ever got to that point. I think Mr. Kraft would have massaged, but Brady is also smart enough, and he is good enough at checking his ego to go, okay, he can see the big picture and go, it's pretty good here. I can take a little less. I got a ton of money, and my wife makes a shitload of money, so we're good. Uh, but for everybody, to, I, that's that's not true all the time. That Brady's just like raising his hand in the back. Oh yeah, me. I'll I'll take tw- I'll take ten million less than all the other quarterbacks in football. He's not volunteering that. That's just wrong. It, that does seem to be the public perception. I know it does. It's not right. It's sorry. Uh, with that being said, man, he's being strong armed. 
Like they're telling them you got to take this. I mean, they're this? ruthless. That's the way they are with everybody. It doesn't matter. I mean, oh, it's oh, you're Chandler Jones. You helped us win a Super Bowl. You led the NFL in sacks. Get the hell out of here. You're going to ask for too much money. Jamie Collins, oh, you're going to ask for Get the hell out of here. Lawyer Malloy, you've been in, we've been indebted to you forever and you've done everything. Get the hell out of here. It doesn't matter. He runs it like a business. Bill Belichick can be the coach of the team. This is where he's great, where he is the coach of the team and he can relate to the players, but then he can go upstairs in the front office and have no soul and make a business decision. That's the Mm. brilliance of Bill Belichick, and a lot of other coaches can't separate that. All right, I'm going to skip some of these, and I want to get right to that. So you're going to make me sound like a Brady hater again? That's not a Brady hater. I know, but people are like, he's mad at He doesn't like Tom Brady. No, but I think it's this notion that Tom Brady is the sixth-round pick that's an all-American guy that just wants to win championships, and he's super nice and all that. It's like, no, also realize this. Brady will grab an offensive lineman by the face and MF him until he actually changes his ways. He's not giving up a lot of money. The Patriots and the business they are, Patriots Incorporated, yeah. are telling him this is how much. And he can spin it and right. say it's all good for exactly the team. Exactly right. We're not saying, you're not saying that Patriot that, that, that Tom Brady's a faker. But I think that when it comes to Tom Brady, we're willing to put everything into the hero box. Yeah. Everything. Right. Everything he does is supposed to be right. so uh, incredible. That's right. That's right. And I just don't think he is. Yeah, no, he's incredible, but yes, it's not everything has to be incredible. Uh, a lot. It's been the other theme of the offseason is people feeling comfortable taking shots at the Patriots. Yeah. They lost the Super Bowl, and everybody said, you know what? Mm, fuck those guys. I'm going to take a <laughs> shot at them. And I love it. I think it's great. First one, Jason Kelsey at a radio show talking about the Patriots. Quote, the last defense we had seen was Minnesota's. And we were like, these dudes have some players. Then we see the Patriots and we're like, these dudes have some coaches. That's what we always said. That's what everybody says. I mean, Remember at the, the Super Bowl, way. every guy at the Super Bowl radio row was like, the Patriots really aren't that good. Yeah. Melvin Gordon's like, we're more talented than the Patriots. Right. There's been a lot of years. That's, that is the greatness of Belichick because there's been a lot of years where they go to the AFC Championship game and I'm going to go, damn. I mean, realistically, this year, they're like the eighth best team in the AFC talent-wise, but here they are in the AFC Championship because of their ability to execute, because of Brady, all of that stuff. Yes, um, and we knew that. I mean, come on. New England's defense sucked this year. Sucked. Sucked. That's what people forget. Yeah, after 29th that, after... in football, 251 yards passing per game. Yeah, but remember after that Bucks game, they went on a tear where they were the number one scoring yes, defense right. in the NFL. And that's what they do. They're phenomenal at stopping you in the red zone. They certainly are. But nobody is scared of New England's talent. You know, like 2014... When they had like Hightower and Jamie Collins oh, yeah. and, and Ninkovich was still playing, that Seahawks team that they played with Revis at one corner. I mean, they were good. That defense was like, I was like, ooh, that's there's some men on that McCordy defense. McCordy at safety. Right, yeah. right. But no, this last year, yeah, it's it was really only three guys, right, like we talked about. We saw, who were the three? Malcolm, Malcolm Butler, Gilmore, and McCordy. We were like, those are really, the defense hinged on their ability to do things that other people at their position it's weird. do. They have holes at their secondary now, but they're going to get Hightower back, yes. and it's they're still a fucking they Patriots. Got Danny I Shelton. I wouldn't bet against those guys ever. No. Uh, it's also been the offseason of former Patriots leaving and talking shit. So mm. Cassius Marsh talked a lot of crap. A lot of people said whatever. Danny Amendola. He shouldn't even be classified as a former Patriot. Yeah, I mean, was he like was there year. for like a drink of water. Danny Amendola on the difference between Adam Gase 
the coach of Miami and Bill Belichick. Coach Gase is one of the guys. He's our leader. He's our head coach. But he's also our boy. It's cool. It's refreshing to have that kind of relationship with a coach, something I haven't had in a long time. Back in New England, it's almost like you had a principal and a principal's office and shit like that in a good way and a bad way, too. So it sounds like Amendola was really tired. It it seems like it all it's goes back to, to Malcolm tired. Butler. It, easy it seems like it there. all goes back to Malcolm Butler. Brady got tired. Grunt got tired. Amendola got tired. It's a grind. And Belichick doesn't make it a fairy tale every day. He's just he's not there to tell you how awesome you are. Now, you do want to feel appreciated, and I think that's where you get at a point where you just get fed up. You're like, damn, I've given everything to these guys for five years straight. Like, everything. And he still has only gave me, like, one compliment in five years. I think mm-hmm. that's what starts to wear on the players more than anything. And... Um, and Adam Gase is one of the cool dudes. Adam Gase is a great dude. And he's got a great way about him as far as... He doesn't go too far into being, like, one of the dudes. Yeah. He can be very blunt and in your face, and he's tough. I'll bet you $5 that he cuts two offensive linemen in the middle of the season he's, again. He's relentless. That's like what he does every year. I mean, come on. What he did this year? Those are big moves. Got Jarvis Landry and Dominican Sue out of there. I mean, you know, Gase has done good things in Miami. And, and the other thing, too, you know, again, why we're going to sit here and pile on Bill, like, Okay, that's oh, it's not Bill's the principal. Yeah, well, he's the fucking principal that's got five Super Bowl rings. I know that number one school in the school district for twenty years running. You show me like a cool who's a cool, awesome coach in history. That's like well, because Chuck Knowles not. Yeah, Tom Landry was. Bill Walsh wasn't right. Vince Lombardi was no you know band leader. The yes. only guy I can really think of in all sports where I go, they had a Phil di- Jackson. Exactly right. Phil Jackson was the only guy I could go, he seemed like not a dictator, and he still won six NBA championships. But, oh, man, he had the greatest player ever in the history of the game 11. on his team. You're Didn't right, 11. Even, I'm talking about six with the Bulls, yeah. but you're right, 11. But here, here's a good one. Yeah. James Harrison mm-hmm. just played for Belichick, right. also played for Mike Tomlin. Right. One's a cool guy. One's Bill Belichick. Right. James Harrison said, Mike Tomlin is a is good as a head coach. He's a player's coach. I think he needs to be a little bit more disciplined. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. The th- he goes on. The big thing with Belichick is he's very regimented. He's disciplined. Everyone is going to be on the same page. There's not going to be anything as far as someone doing their own thing. I think over there, their whole coaching staff is like that. Asked what Tomlin could do to upgrade his player discipline. Discipline, Harrison said, just being more consistent across the board with everything, from your stars to your special teams players. You think he's talking about Antonio Brown or Big Ben? He's talking about all of them. I mean, because they've all had their own little rule book that they've gotten away with stuff that... But Tomlin's the cool one. Tomlin Tomlin's won the, a Super Bowl. Tomlin is But I would cool never one. put him in the same regard as Bill Belichick. Well, I mean, it's not a, who is in the realm of, of Bel- Belichick? That's the problem with the statement. Like, oh, I mean, Hakeem Olajuwon was awesome, but he's no Michael Jordan. No shit. Thank you. I mean, thank you for pointing that out. So, I mean, he, listen, he's still got a problem with the Steelers. We know that. So some of that's personal. But, like, that's just not... Like, nobody is comparable to Bill Belichick. He's the greatest coach in the history of the sport. Yeah. Tomlin's a really, really good football coach. He's not Bill Belichick. And I've yet to be around or know anybody that is. So I don't think that's fair. I mean, I just, it's not. To me, it's 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 very easy from the outside to say, you should want to re- play for a Bill Belichick. I think for those guys, the best way to do it is what Amendola has done. Right. Play for Bill win your Super Bowls, and then go somewhere else and be like, 
Man, that was really hard. I bet you James Harrison wouldn't have been able to do all those cool like Instagram videos in the New England locker room, in the New England weight room oh, like he did in Pittsburgh. Out? He didn't seem to have a problem with Mike Tomlin then. Yeah, it was okay then to show his biceps and his chest. And he didn't. He wore a sweatshirt not to intimidate. Well, I know, people. but he, he didn't do those in New England. You never noticed that. But I just you know I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't think James Harrison was taking a shot at anybody there. I think James Harrison was just stating a fact. I, I know, but you don't have. I mean, like. I, I think he could have done it in a more gentle oh, way. Oh, you thought that him say so? You think that was actually a slight to Tomlin? I think so. Yeah, this is to the Steelers altogether, no doubt. And at least in my eyes, yes. I've always said that I think Mike Tomlin's a good coach, but I think he has a discipline problem. Yeah, there's certainly he's not perfect. We know that discipline. A- Antonio Brown has gotten away with whatever he wants to get away with. Right. Big Ben gets away with whatever he wants to get away with. They, they have. I mean, when you have fighting between your OC and your coach, Tomlin lets guys do things how they're going to do it. He and does. and you know what? That's one way to run your ship. Yeah. It's putting the, ownership, the onus on your team mm-hmm. to be men. Yeah. And I think what you learn is, even though these guys are 30 years old or 28 years old and they're professionals, they're still children. They're yes. still players on a team. And, and Harrison goes to New England and goes, man. This is this is my kind of locker room. Right. I think the guys that go to New England late, like the Chris Longs, yeah, they right. might get a little tired, but they go, man, if I had this my whole career, exactly. I could have won so much. Because mm-hmm. it's just, it's not about the discipline on them. It's di- the discipline on the other people, too. Yes. You know? No, it's, it's, a, it's a special place that way. And like we've always said, it's they haven't lucked into 17 years of greatness. No, it's not been like, oh, oh, we got lucky again for the 17th year in a row. Speaking of greatness, Malik Jackson thinks that the Jaguars, I'm quote, I'm calling it 16 and 0. I don't think anybody can beat us as long as we stay healthy and do what we're supposed to do. Fowler is uh, Dante Fowler suspended for the first few weeks. But Malik Jackson came on our podcast last year, said they're going to the Super Bowl this year. He says they're going 16 and 0. Damn, why didn't we get him on again? I know that's that's you're you're the, the booking agent. I should have. Malik, I, 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 uh, Malik is the man. Um, he's a defensive lineman 16 and 0 is great to have as a but that's not going to happen especially the way they play now again they're the most talented team in football they really are but hey uh, their 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 schedule is not easy and the way they play and the way they keep games so close like I said, I will not be shocked if Jacksonville gets off to a 2-2 two and two you, starter. You're that a believer kind of... that Jacksonville's going to fall off, and I think the best point you made is, sure, their defense is amazing. Sure, they keep it close. But the NFL is a game where the ball bounces a funny way. Right. And if that ball bounces a little weird, and they don't get that strip sack in the fourth quarter like they got all the time last year, right. or, or Bortles is still only putting up 10 points yeah, a I mean, game. Right. You're going to go to New York week one. You're going to play a very energized New York Giants football team that's like really going to want to put their best foot forward in front of their home fans new era that place is going to be rocking sure going to go have all year to pick apart that he's going to have so many tricks up his tra- up his sleeve exactly right and then oh if you lose that game oh shit we got belichick and brady coming into town next week wow oh okay so we'll, we'll see that's what i'm saying i'm just saying again i still think they're the most talented team in football i'm not putting that away but the way they play football can lead them to some losses where you go i love it I'm, by the way have been i'm lost. gonna pick some crazy teams for my division winners this year like i'm just i, I know you're picking tennessee i'm definitely picking tennessee. <laughs> we know I just think it makes so much sense. I get you. It does. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Football doesn't make sense. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Uh, Also, a damn good point here for, ah, fuck Ben McAdoo. I don't want to talk about his ass. Okay. I just don't want to talk about him. He's a loser. Oh. 
I thought you were like literally going to talk about his ass. Like, just, I thought you knew what it looked no, like. No, he was, was just saying that he thought he did the right thing with Eli Manning, and and he really tried to you know move on to see the future with Davis Webb, our whoa big offseason guy, and all that. And I'm just like. Whatever. Apparently, it's going to be in Peter King's article that comes out in the, the new website. Yeah, I saw some of it. I mean, Ben McAdoo. He's... And he also said that Philadelphia is not used to handling success. I saw that. I mean, he's trying to stay relevant. I get that. He's trying to keep his name out there, all that. But I, I would say that, you know, you got to watch out with things like that, talking about, you know, your left tackle and quarterback play. Like, other players are going to look at that around the league and go, damn, like, oh, he's a coach on our team now? You mean the guy that got fired from the other place and, like, bashed the players? So that's where you got to be careful as a disgruntled ex-coach. And he also said that he tried too hard to get Odell opportunities earlier in the year. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't see any of that. Well, I mean, most of the plays are called for Odell, but, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're fourth-grade plays. That's what I'm saying. It was all slant flat. The throw the ball to Odell. Okay. You're going to run across the shallow cross. Whoa. Okay. Uh, Before we get to some fan stuff, two uh, serious news of notes. First one, Tony Sperano passes away, 56 years old, offensive line coach for Minnesota, former head coach, I think, for the Raiders and the Dolphins, Mm -hmm. Uh, Zimmer, head coach of the Vikings. King says about Sperano, I love Tony Sperano. He was a great teacher, a grinder of a worker, and had toughness and fighting spirit that showed in our linemen. He was a great husband, father, and grandfather, and a great friend to me. This is just sinking in, but he will sorely be missed. His son is the tight ends coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Tony was was one of those guys that every time I looked at Minnesota, uh, I know their offensive line wasn't great last year, but I felt like they kind of overachieved with what they had. And I kind of thought with Pat F. Line and, and some of the new faces there that this was going to be a really good year for Minnesota's line. Um, I want to say condolences to the whole Sperano yeah, family. Definitely. Did you ever have uh, a run-ins with Tony? No run-ins. He's a Bill. He's a Parcells coaching tree guy, right? That's why he's up there in Minnesota with Zimmer because Zimmer's also a Parcells guy. So that it stands, you know, there it makes sense. Um, I've never heard anything but good things about Tony Sperano. He's definitely been one of the best O-line coaches in football for the last gonna, fifteen. And years. I've always said with Minnesota to have a former head coach. As an offensive line coach, yes, right? Like those guys, Mike Munchak, like they always they have a they have a bigger perspective. They make a mark on your team yes. that's yeah you don't realize until they're gone, and um, because they can bring toughness to the whole football team because of the way the O line practices makes the defensive line tougher, and you know makes the offensive line tougher because we have an attitude and it's yeah. third and one we're gonna run downhill screw that you know so all those things but uh, hey invented the wildcat. For the most part, let's not forget about that. That's the mark he'll leave on the game with Ronnie kind of Brown. Led into all this RPO stuff. There's a lot today. there, right? Let's also take into account that he's the only guy that won the AFC East, other than the New England Patriots over the last 17 years. They won the AFC East the year Brady. Rex got. Ryan ever did? I don't think he won the AFC East. They got in the playoffs and beat the Patriots. There was wild card, but no. Miami, Tony Sperano's the only coach. 11 to... and five with Chad Pennington. They lost to the Ravens and Joe Flacco his rookie year in the oh. wild card game down there. Remember that? Yeah. So that is uh, that, but he he's you know had potential there certainly. And anyone but. that can come up with a wrinkle that's gonna like really put a thorn in the side of Belichick, that was incredible. Yeah, he broke it out in New England with Ronnie Brown. Right, you're exactly right. That was it was so it was cool. a good game. So R.I.P. Tony. Uh, the other one is. Um, they always tell people in sports to stick to sports. Uh, 
Donald Trump made another comment about the anthem Stick policy. Stick to politics. Stick to presidency. Uh, he wrote, uh, ha- first time kneeling out for game, second time kneeling out for season, no pay. It got a little interesting. Jarrell Casey came out and said he'd take the knee and is fine. The Titans came out and said, Jarrell, we, we weren't going to fine you, so don't be upset with us. Uh, Steve Tisch came out and said there will be no punishments for the Giants and that Donald Trump should focus on what he should be focusing on. The Dolphins came out and said it's going to be a four game suspension then walked it back and said quote that sentence was a placeholder and we haven't made our decision yet which means you just have this form that says four week suspension on it like clearly there had been discussions about it but then after all of this the nfl and the nfl pa came together and they are actually having a standstill they're not going to say anything uh my my main thing is I hope football fans can realize you don't need to have this debate every time. Realize that Donald Trump is going through some serious allegations right now with his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, and what just happened with with Putin in Russia. And he uses the NFL to distract us. He uses this anthem policy to get us talking about something that leads immediately to arguments. And it is not something that he's truly focused on. It is a distraction. And so there's part of me. I hope he's not focused on it. I mean, I would think there's bigger problems in the world. In fact, I know there is. And for me, I just, I don't really want to talk about it. That's why I saved it for here on the show, because it's like, I know that he's just trying to distract us. So I'm not going to give it the, 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 the attention that he wants. Yeah. I mean, I just have a problem with hypocrisy. I'll just leave it at that. That's where it bothers me more than anything. I mean, you know that he can bother me, uh, but I just look at it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, sit there and attack African-American players who are standing up for something that's very wrong in our society. And they're really trying to stand up for something that's right, that needs to be fixed with the social injustices. And he has the gall to say they're un-American. And yet this guy is recently been the most un-American American I've ever seen. I mean, I've never seen anybody disrespect our country more than, okay, the Senate Intel Committee that's investigating this, it's headed by Republicans. They said the Russia interference is real. Yeah. The FBI, whose recent FBI director was appointed by Donald Trump, said, no, Russia interference is very real, yeah. but he's not going to believe any of our things in our democracy, and he's just going to take Vladimir Putin's. But that's fine. That's American. That's very American. Mm. I mean, that's he's well done. I mean, he's mm, true to the word as usual, yeah. and it bothers me. Sorry. Very hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to a different country then. Let's go to Canada. Oh. Uh, Manziel has been traded. Ya hoser. To Montreal. Connor O'Neill. Thank you, sir. Always on the case, our embedded Canadian reporter. He says the rumors of Manziel being traded have been proven to be true. Traded Sunday evening after much speculation, the newest member of the Montreal Alouettes. They are one and four. Mm. He will be playing for Mike Sherman. Head coach oh, of Texas A&M, 2008 right. to 2011. He brought in Manziel as a redshirt quarterback in 2011. Connor O'Neill, this is great stuff right great here. Great stuff. Um, the timing of the trade couldn't be more perfect in Saturday's game against the Calgary Stampeders. Willie Drew was the quarterback for the Alouettes, left the game with a hand injury. He was also sidelined with a concussion. So Manziel and Mike Sherman together in Montreal. 
Great city, Montreal. Great city. I've never been there. Everybody really? says it's that great. Awesome. I know. That's actually the first thing I thought of. Scary. Scary for Johnny Menzel. Is Montreal scarier than Toronto? I, don't, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. It's French. I've been to clubs in Montreal. I've heard the girls are down. phenomenal. Girl, they're French. Yeah, they're um, great. I mean, Drake being in Toronto would have scared me with Manziel, too. So that, that, But, yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, gosh, we're going to put him in a city with a very good social scene. And I know their professionals are partying up there. And we're going to put him there on a crappy team. So we'll see. This is going to be big, really, because he's going to get his chance to play now. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the, that Montreal Alouette team, I read some of the quarterbacks on the roster. I mean, they're they're not anywhere in Johnny Manziel's caliber. Right. And we're going to see what he's got now as a player because I would imagine here in the next few weeks, the next week or two, because I think it's it's going to be Mike Sherman, basic West Coast offense. It's going to be similar to his, of course, Texas A&M offense. It's going to be similar to even what Kyle Shanahan, as far as verbiage ran with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So I wouldn't think it's going to take him long to, to catch up. Man, those you know? highlights. Man, sell. Man, so all right, got two little Facebook uh, questions. Uh, Josh no, is here. Fan questions. Josh is what in the back Josh? lurking, looking like Dick Cheney. Uh, this one's from Ben LaChapelle three. Uh, do the Patriots have hundreds of plays, such as maybe trick plays that they have practiced and have down that they have never used that they know will catch the defense off guard, such as the Julian Edelman trick play where he passed to Amendola for a touchdown against the Ravens in the playoffs. They have, they have thousands of plays, but yes, they are a team that will practice trick plays from time to time, certainly throughout the year to go, mm, this is like, we've practiced, you know, they'll, they'll practice it and it'll be invented in week one, but they might not run it till week 12. And then mm. every week, like one time a week, they go, oh, let's run our trick play. So yes, they have things in the inventory and it can go from there too. Well, they'll just add it during the season sure. and they'll pull it out when they think it's just. Do other teams have that too? I think a lot, not all, no. I think there's a few teams that do that like would pride themselves. Like Gruden, we always had a trick player too. I mean, we would practice them too every week, maybe twice a week. He would never call a trick play. I mean, we never called a trick play when I was there. I don't think really? in five years, not one time. No Why? flea flicker, reverse pass, because he didn't want to put the hands, you know, just my offense, my plays, they'll do the job. We don't need any tricks here or whatever. And New England's like that way for the most part too. This is where I think New England's brilliant. They only bring it out in the games the where they go, yeah, we need it. Baltimore's better than us. We got to have a like a trick play to get us over the edge. Every big game, I bet you we could find one one trick play in every big game the Patriots play. Look, if Tom Brady caught that pass in the Super Bowl, Brady had nothing but open fields in front of him. It's a Parcells thing, right? So this Parcells is really was the guy that always had a trick play ready. And if you really think about Bill Parcells, Bill Parcells ran a punt formation quarterback sneak in the Super Bowl. My dad won, right? They were losing ten to nine. They got the ball to start the second half. They got down third and third in like inches. Yeah. Or no, yeah, fourth and inches. Sorry. They brought the punt team out. He put in the backup quarterback and they ran a quarterback sneak. That was the and then they went down, scored the touchdown, the game was never the same. That was Bill Parcells. In nineteen ninety, they go to San Francisco and beat the three Pete 49ers. They did a fake punt in that game right up the middle to Gary Reasons, if anybody will remember. It was third, I mean, fourth and long. They snapped it up the middle to Gary Reasons, their starting middle linebacker, who was like the punt protector. Mm. And he ran up the middle for a huge first down. So that is a Parcells tree to have things like that for key moments. Sean Payton, Parcells, coaching tree. 
onside kick to start the second half yep. of the Super Bowl. It's part of their belief That's what to was have so those things. Amazing about Doug yeah. is is for Nick Foles to come to the sideline and say Philly, Philly, yeah, and then Doug go, yeah. Yeah, he, Run it. He he matched his kahunas with Belichick in that game. You have to. You have to. Is that's right. the number one thing we always get frustrated about playoff teams. It's like that's why, to be honest, guys, we get frustrated with Blake Bortles and the Jaguars. It's, we used to get frustrated like that with the Seattle Seahawks, if you remember mm. back in the day, because we'd go, man, Seattle is they played the tight shit for out three of this, quarters. They kicked the shit out of this team for three quarters, and it's. 17-14, they're winning, and they should be winning 34-14. to 14, Yeah. You know, because they played it close to the vest. But that's what Jackson, when you when you know you're better, you don't want to do too many crazy I things. I know. But when you're better, it's like when you're playing poker. If you have the most chips, be a bully. Yeah. Like, get a little risky. Right. People are going to assume they're going to want to back away from you. I hear you. But yeah, Jacksonville better come out. Nathaniel Hackett better come out with some cool-ass shit It'll be year. a big year for him. All right, one more. C-Rob60. My boss is convinced that more than half the NFL is on steroids. He listed Peyton and, a- and AP as guys who for sure haven't, but said Julian Edelman for sure didn't. New England fan, I need you and Sims to set him straight. All right, well, I mean... um, you know, first of all, I think Julian Edelman did. I'm just going to say that. I, I don't mean to disagree with our friend there. Uh, it's his boss. But it's it's hard for me. But to, to say half the NFL, I just I couldn't disagree more. Now, like I have this argument with some people that they think there's like maybe 20 to 25, 20 guys on a team that maybe do it. I don't see it that way. I think maybe you have two to three, maybe four guys in a locker room that are probably toting the line of cheating in somehow, some way. But I've just been around too many freaks of nature, whether it's, I'm not even going to list names, but all they do is eat fast food, smoke weed, and drink liquor, and all they do is get faster and stronger. I know they're not cheating, and if they are cheating, then they're screwing themselves with the other poison they're putting in their body anyways. So uh, I, I don't see it that way. Again, going to go back to an old Simpson Lefko phrase. If you saw some of these guys' mothers, you wouldn't think they were on uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And I mean that in the most respectful way. My dad's mother could have played middle linebacker in the NFL. Barbara had man hands, square shoulders bigger than Lefko, and she could have squared you up and whooped your ass, most of you out there. Okay, So same thing with a lot of these. I mean, we laugh about it at the draft every year, yes. and I know Josh, he gets all scared that I'm going to say something, but but we always take notice and go, damn, those parents, look how fucking big they are. Yeah, I agree. I hope that didn't tote too far there. We'll see. Josh is looking at me with a grin. Like, I don't know if that's going to make the cut, but <laughs> at least I used my own grandmother this time. That was good. Good. Barbara. Barbara. You're telling, uh, you and me both have a grandmom named oh, Barbara. Yeah. Barbara was, yeah. Barbara, Barbara was six my, foot. I mean, my Barbara was 5'10. We used to rip chickens' heads off with their hands. I'm telling what? you that. Yeah. She's famous for those stories in our household. Give me, give me a little bit. Because like she was a farmhand, and she's like I said, she's she's ruthless. Like she would just tell it to you how the way it is. Now, Christopher, when I was your age, I mean, I was already ripping chickens' heads off. And they're like, what? But yeah, she could like she is famous for. She would get the chicken, and she could rip his head head off with his her two hands, and then she'd tell the story how the chicken would run around without a head for like thirty seconds. Good old farm times in Kentucky. Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah, man, she, she's passed away. She has passed away. Damn, it's the only dead person my kids have seen, and they were in, so intrigued by that. What? Yeah, like we went to her funeral and <laughs> we did an open casket, and like my kids literally like ran in there to see her dead. 
God rest her soul. She's the woman. So, and I, I, I know some people are gonna be like, man, you're insensitive. No, I'm keeping her memory alive by talking about it. I don't look at it. And that they way. ran in there and they like, ran dead, in there dead, like, dead. I was like, okay, guys, because I warned them like. There's, I think it's going to be an open cast. You're going to see grandma, my grandma here. She's not going to be alive. She's going to be, you know, whatever. And they, I mean, sprinted. Like, the rest of the family, they're like, hey, how you doing? And they just kept running because they wanted to Did see. Did I ever tell you my Kentucky open casket story? No. Oh, my God. All right. This is really late in the podcast. Now's the time to do it. Uh, so I was, I would frequent this one bar. And uh, they had like a DJ guy there and we would come in and, and man, I can't, I can't remember his name. I'm just going to call him Lance. I'm going to call him Lance. So uh, we we would casually talk and that'd be it. And one day I'm on my day off. It's a Wednesday. I can't believe I told you this yet. And I get a phone call and it goes, hi, uh, is this Adam? And I said, yes. They go, I'm so sorry to tell you, but Lance has passed away. And I'm sitting there going, Lance. And she was so sad. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, who are you? Oh, I'm Lance's aunt. I didn't realize. She goes, I didn't realize you guys were friends. I was like, yeah. I said, what was Lance doing? Like, I'm just trying to figure it out. I realized it's this DJ. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, listen, the funeral is going to be blah, blah, blah. I, would, I know it would mean so much to him if you came, blah, blah. And my friend Tiffany got invited, too, because she would go to this bar with me. So this night we, you know, we get dressed in our clothes and she goes, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, I was like, I know, like, I don't know anybody. Like I barely know this guy, but like they called me, I have to go. Like, let's go. We go in there and there's like a huge line of people and we walk up and, and we're getting closer to kind of pay our respects to an open casket. And, uh, before I can even see anything, I hear Adam Lefko, WHAS 11 News, is that you? And I look, and like these two guys come over, they're like, ah, I watch you on TV all the time, man. How you doing? And I was like, hey, oh, yeah, sorry about Lance, man. But anyway, what do you think about Rick Patina? And it, we, so that starts happening. I look, and I realize like there's a semicircle forming around me, and people are leaving the open casket to come and talk to me about Rick Patina right. and John Calipari. Right. And I was like, okay, guys, like I want to go pay my respects. And I go and I look, and Lance has a little mustache, and he never had a mustache, and he has hair slicked back, and I guess the the person that prepares the body put that on there, and I'm I'm looking at Tiffany, and I was like, damn, this is that doesn't that looks weird. He looks weird, and this woman comes and goes, oh Adam, you made it, and I was like. This must be the aunt on the phone. I was like, hi, how are you? And she hugs me, and then her friend, this like other woman's like, and puts out her arms to hug me, and I was like. Okay. And she hugged me and was like rubbing my back for like way too long. And Tiffany's looking at me like, what is going on right now? And Did she's they have their Adams mixed up or something. No, they, they knew who I was. They were like, Adam left go like, Oh my God, how are you? And I was like, great. And then there was this moment of silence, like, like this little brief pause. And I go, how about uh Lance's mustache? And they go, we didn't understand why they did that. Like, we don't know why they put a mustache on him. And I said, all I know is it's so Lance. And they, they stop and they go, that is so Lance. And like, they're like clapping and laughing. They're like, you know Lance so well. And Tiffany's looking at me like, that's so Lance. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's already crazy. I go over and I kneel down next to the mother. Mm-hmm. She has been weeping. She has been bawling. She's sitting there over her son. He was like in his 20s. And I kneel down next to her. And I say, ma'am, I just want to let you know that you had an amazing son. He was a great person. He was a good friend of mine. And I want to give you my condolences. I'm so sorry for your loss. And she's crying and she looks down at me 
And she does a double take, and I swear to God, she goes, Adam Lefko, WHAS 11 News, you do sports, I watch you every night. And I was like, hi, hi ma'am, how are you? And she goes, this is such a sudden surprise. And then she looks up, my friend Tiffany goes talk, and she, she brushes her hand away and looks back at me. She goes, we have a costume contest coming up for the Halloween in like three weeks. Lance was supposed to tell you about it. He must have forgotten. Is there any way that you can do that? And I'm sitting there like, did you just blame your dead, your, your son? dead son for forgetting to ask me? And I said, I... I would be happy to. I would happy to be a judge for a Hard costume. to turn that one down. She goes, oh, my God, this is so great. Talk about guilt. And I was like, all right. And uh, she goes, so good to meet you. And I was like, you too, ma'am. And literally, I get up, and Tiffany goes, costume contest? And immediately, I hear the, the mom now crying like she's back to it. And we go outside, and I was just, I'm blown away. I've never experienced anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I got asked to do the con- uh, costume contest. That was my Kentucky open casket story. People are weird. It was it was incredible. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. It was one of my fighter moments. <laughs> but the, I never got called for the costume contest. Oh, it, thank God. It got canceled. Thank I think. God. But, uh, yeah, that's the Sims and Lefko podcast. <laughs> Two death stories to end off the week. That's how we put them away, right in the ground. All right, uh, on Wednesday, we will be having David Baker uh, from the NFL Hall of Fame. I got a lot of questions to talk to him. Yeah. I got a lot of questions about T.O. It's a very interesting year for what they got going on. Uh, we are also going to hopefully have on Phil Sims, and it will be the official, whoa, big offseason award show. Me and Fence are going to get together right now. We're going to have all the categories. We're going to kind of figure it out from the whoa big offseason MVP to the whoa of the offseason. Got a lot of stuff to get through. So the whoa big offseason awards will be on Wednesday. Are you excited? Very. Bring your tux. I will. Okay. Yep. Okay. Sure. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good evening, everyone. And for the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. We would say good evening, good afternoon, and good night. Love you guys so much. We'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, thank you guys for being with us. Props to Meatloaf and the SLFL. Follow us on social at Sims and Lefko. And hit us up, motherfucker. I think we set a record for long, pa- longest podcast. All right, see you later, buddy. See you.